Well, uh, I figure that usually I, I would introduce the person across from me and say, and then they would say thank you for having me, but I have to say the other way around. Thank you for having me in your studio. Thank you for having me in my studio. <laughs> Uh, so this is interesting going straight from, and I'm not kidding you straight from the gym into this is a little weird. I feel, I like feel high right now. I mean, like literally kind of shaking 20 feet away from the gym. <laughs> My biceps are still fatigued and pumped, but uh, dude, epic workout. I know, man. You hit a lifetime PR today. Not just, a, no. So the, the lifetime PR was 625 and then 660 is a, is like a, is like a lifetime goal. So 300 kilos, that's like, I mean, that's a big round number. And I work in kilos from weightlifting. Like, right. That was crazy. That was one of those times where I was out of my body. And it, you know, what was interesting. I was listening to, I had to do a little prep on you. So I was listening to your podcast with my roommate slash best buddy, Chris, uh, shout out Chris Williamson. Great guy. Great podcast. Great podcast. You, you said like, when you did the 250 marathon, you had like uh, you had finished it and you weren't surprised because you, you talked to Matthew McConaughey and he's like, when you when you do something that you set your mind to, of course, you did it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Can you expand on that mindset a little bit more? Because I I find myself in situations now where I'm like even like sitting across from you. I had Mark Bell sit across from me, Mark Henry and now you. And it's like holy shit, like I'm, I'm across from like really, really insanely talented and successful people, but this is how it's supposed to be, if that makes sense. Nothing is unbelievable, as Matthew McConaughey says. And it's like, I, I think everything is overwhelming and seems unbelievable in the beginning until you get that first win. And that first win, I talk about this a lot, but that, that first win, no matter what it is in your life, it can be very small. It can be going on your first run. It could be graduating high school. It could be getting accepted into college. It could be getting your first job, your first promotion, getting married, having a kid, whatever it is for you. But that, that first win in life, like first significant win brings a level of confidence that you didn't have before. And in order to achieve a second and follow on win, you need to sacrifice more but that second win, third win, fourth win, it brings more confidence. And once you get more repetitions throughout life of achieving some of these wins, which also come with a lot of losses, you're going to have more losses yeah. than wins, more failures than, than successes. You kind of figure out after a period of time, okay, if I do X, Y, and Z, and I plan, prepare, and execute, I might fail. But if I put the plan in place and I follow the plan and I'm just super committed to that plan, you can forecast and project a success or a loss. It's like the day that I towed the line in Buffalo, New York for the marathon, I never questioned myself if I was going to cross the finish line in sub two hours and 50 minutes or not. I knew I was going to do it. The question was by how much? And that might come across as like overly confident and cocky. And there's many times in my life where I've gone to do things and I didn't know if I was going to achieve or not. I didn't know if it was going to be a win or a loss. But when you really like obsess on a goal and truly obsess and you put in the work and you just commit and you go all in, you can project a win or a loss 
if you can control certain situations. Yeah. I think what, so my perspective on you, on Nick Bear, it might be different than some people who are just starting to watch you. Um, I started on YouTube. You and I had contacted each other like four or five years ago or something to try and collab. It just never really worked out. Mm -hmm. But my perspective of you was always the YouTuber, the creative minded guy who had like you had good production value and you had good storytelling and you were pretty good in front of a camera. What was your first win where you're like on YouTube? Like what? So for, for instance, for myself, like I tried vlogging when I started YouTube, it failed miserably. Uh, and then somebody on Reddit said, well, what are you good at? Like, tell me what you're good at and then maybe I'll follow you. So I was like, okay, deleted all those vlogs. And then the first video I ever made was, you know, three tips to fix your snatch. And I posted that and people were like, Hey, this is really good. Can you do more? That was my first win. Mm -hmm. And if I figured like, why not just stack W's just fucking, I, and then I posted uh, a video every week, at least one video a week. And here I am six years later. I have not missed a week. I've, I've missed a week, but like I've made it up with other volume else uh, elsewhere. Yeah. So I was stacking wins. What was that first win like for you? Just starting, I would say like, the YouTube channel I have now is the third YouTube channel that I created because the first two that I started before that I created, I posted a video, it got some criticism and some hate. So I deleted the video. I deleted the channel, did that twice. And then when I got to Texas in 2014, I didn't know anyone here. I was in the army. My unit was in Germany at the time for another three months. I had $500 left in my bank account because all the money I was making, I was invested back to keep this, this company alive. And I said, I'm going to spend my last $500 on a camera. It was a Canon T3i and a 50 millimeter lens. I'm going to force myself to create content to build my brand. And I knew if I spent the rest of the money to my name, I had no choice. So the first win was just deciding I'm going to do it. So Interesting. Many, so many people say they're going to do these things. They're going to sign up for a race. They're going to lose weight. They're going to start eating healthier. They're going to stop drinking, you know, all these things, but they never actually do it. Right. So like I would say my first win with getting to the point in my career, my life I am now is going all in on something and just committing to the process. The second win would be, you know, you said you've been creating content for six years now that is consistency. And my, my marathon running coach, Jeff Cunningham says, it's better to be consistently good than occasionally great. There is the person who is going to chase the big win and they're going to, they're going to fail for a whole year. And then they're going to do this really big thing and they're going to win and they're going to fail and mm -hmm. slack off for another year. And they're going to do this really big win. It's like the person who like doesn't, eat healthy, doesn't ever train consistently, and then goes and signs up for a marathon, struggles to do the whole thing, crosses the finish line like seven hours, and then for another year doesn't train at all, eat healthy again, and signs up for another marathon. You're not doing anything for yourself. Right. It's better to be consistently good than occasionally great. Now, the third win that I will say is pretty significant, and this is because of years of consistency, is I was sitting in my barracks room in South Korea in 2016. I was there on a nine month rotation with the military. I was an infantry platoon leader at the time. 
and I was trying to build BPN in all my free time. And I was creating content at this point for like three years consistently. And I documented this one day in South Korea. I interviewed my platoon sergeant. Mm -hmm. I showcased my platoon doing PT. I showed what I was eating. I showed my workouts. And at the end of that video that I edited, I titled it A Day in the Life of an Infantry Platoon Leader. And that video hit a million views in about 30 days. That kick-started my channel. Right. That was the W. Well. That's the big W. That was the big W. So I never, I, I never really had that. Um, I have a few videos that have gone somewhat viral, um, but I was always so stoked on the improvement. That's, that's my tagline is no excuses, just improve. Mm -hmm. And when I look at weightlifting, like I, I've never had a goal weight. I mean, I just, I say that even though 300 kilos, that's like the first time I've ever said I wanted to lift a weight. The first time ever was 300 kilos deadlift and I just did it. So who knows well, where I'm going to go from there? Well, I'm glad to be a part of that day. I know. It's crazy, man. That's epic. Yeah. Very emotional, actually, now that I'm like starting to think about it. But having said all that, like snatching, clean and jerking, back squat, front squat, overhead squat, never once did I want to wait. It was always, can I get one pound more? That was it. Just like in some way. I remember some guy being like, man, it would be cool to snatch 275. I'd be like, yeah, it, it would be, but it would be much cooler to snatch 230 because my best is 225 right now. Yeah. You know? And so that was the same mindset I had in YouTube was like, dude, I gained five subscribers today. Let's go. Like I'm doing something right. Mm -hmm. Let me just do that until the end of time. You know, I've never been like that. I've always been the, the, the not consistent guy. I've always been the guy who amazes people and then falls. I've been a very talented athlete. I just never really worked that hard. So this was a great time for me to shift my entire mentality into, into loving this tiny little improvement. And I built consistency, but I'm not a consistent guy. Like I'm, I'm almost, I, I would say I'm like kind of the opposite of you in that regard. Like I, I would never say that I'm a very, uh, I don't want to keep saying consistent, um, disciplined guy. Okay. But because I sucked so bad at weightlifting and because I came from such a small place on YouTube, my consistency and my discipline was much greater, but I utilized motivation. Does that make sense to you? Like I made a video with, with Jocko Willink and, uh, or not with him about him. Cause he says, you know, uh, discipline over, over motivation. Mm -hmm. And I never felt like a disciplined guy. I never felt like military minded, but somebody might point me, point to me and say, no, no, you are. Cause you did th these things over time. Somehow I like changed my mindset into becoming more consistent, but it was based off of motivational things, like based off of little wins. If that makes sense, you know, incremental, like, incremental gains. Um, see, I, I, I'm kind of the opposite yeah. in a sense where I truly believe that I'm not like a talented person. Like if we go back to when I was in high school and college in sports, for example, I was not like a stud athlete in high school. Um, my little brother, who's three years younger, Preston, he outshined me in all sports. More mm -hmm. from a small town, but literally the newspaper clippings would be uh, like bear takes lead in Meyer football 
bear takes lead in Palmyra baseball. So people would walk up to me and be like, hey, are you Preston Bears, mm. older brother? I mean, my brother had a, a burger named after his name in our hometown. We're from a small town, but I, I talk about all that to say, like, I was by no means like this stellar athlete, stellar student, stellar anything. When I was younger, I was, I was like very average. So like my competitive advantage I identified very early on had to be consistency. And I knew like when I started my business, when I started creating content, when I started doing a lot of things, I was not going to see a lot of success right away, but I quickly identified these small incremental wins. Yeah. And I was like, man, I'm in this for the long run. I mean, it's 10 years now since I started my business. And I think what I've built, I don't want to say is bulletproof, but it has a really strong foundation because 10 years went into a very deliberate and consistent approach. So it's, it is fucking amazing how opposed we are. Mm-hmm. But when I tell you this mindset change of mine, like it's crazy. So when did it happen? Um, when I, when I decided to do weightlifting, cause I was not built for it. I'm, I'm six foot four with a six foot seven wingspan. I couldn't, I would never, I was never the strong guy in the weight room ever. Mm-hmm. I, so if you open up the yearbook, 2009 Lake Forest high school, most athletic Zach Tellender, I swear to fucking God. Okay. Uh, all conference, all state in like three different sports. I went to college and I shit the bed. I played lacrosse, so I had a scholarship to go play at University of Vermont. I shit the bed, got in trouble, partied too much, graduated college, thought I had more to give as far as physicality goes. So that was, that's it right there. I wasn't consistent. I wasn't responsible. I wasn't uh, disciplined. And I, and I failed miserably. And at the end of all that, I, I didn't learn anything. It wasn't like, hey, you got to change, Zach. It was like, fuck, it's the coach's fault my teammates fault my parents fault right lack of accountability and ownership of course so what happened was i started to do crossfit and crossfit led to weightlifting and what i realized was here's a sport now that it it's it's in a vacuum what you put in directly affects what comes out there i didn't have a coach i didn't have a teammate my parents weren't there to help me like this was me I became obsessed with it and I built from a place of absolutely sucking at it. I have never had that experience. So that was at 23 years old, never once had that experience in my entire life. So imagine that like, I don't, I don't want it to be like a pity party. Like, Oh, I was so talented all the time, but I couldn't get a fucking job out of college. I, I failed as a collegiate athlete. I was, you know, I was blaming everyone else for it. I took these little steps to get better at weightlifting just because I liked it. It wasn't because I was like, I'm going to push myself hard just because I liked it. I took three months off of partying on accident because I was like, well, uh, Saturdays are big training days and I'm not going to go hard on Saturday in, at the bars and stuff because Sunday's my only day off and I'm going to make myself sick. So I'm just not going to drink. I just don't want to. Like, I don't want to today. And then I kept doing that over and over again. That is something that I would have never done. I would have blamed everyone else for my problems. But if someone said, hey, maybe you should stop fucking going hard on the weekend, I would have said, fuck you, dude. You don't know me. You're not my mom. You're not my dad type of deal. So it's a very interesting change in my Mm -hmm. life. And so now I see guys like you and Chris 
hell, like everyone in this sphere has built from a place of consistency, not so much talent. And what's crazy is you have harnessed talent now because you've, you've literally stacked so many hours that now you're talented. Like it's, it, there's no other option for you. Well, I like the phrase that consistency compounds and when it compounds over a long period of time, you finally end up reaching some sort of level of success. And I use the word success very loosely because success in that word is determined by how you define it. Like it's subjective. It's subjective. Some people define success in terms of monetary. Some people define it in terms of health. Some people define it in terms of work life balance, for example. But I truly, I, I, if there's one thing I believe in, in this world, it is the power of consistency. And, uh, the truth is like, you know, you went through like this really, I don't say maybe a dark time where like you were confused. Right. And then you saw this light and that light was just following a passion. And that passion led to this disciplined lifestyle. But there's a lot of people, like a lot of people. And I think sometimes it's hard to understand and realize this because obviously we're surrounded by people in the health and fitness industry who just live passionate lives. But majority of the people in the world, like the United States even, that never get to experience that. They never experience consistency and feeling good and pursuing a passion. And they're just kind of, you know, living a life like you were when you were outside of college. And it's blaming the entire world and everyone else of why you don't have certain things, why you're not achieving, why you're not growing, why you don't feel good, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And, and there's no ownership. There's no accountability with so many people because like, I believe when I'm on my deathbed, whether that's a year from now or, you know, 50, 60 years from now, hopefully it's 50, 60 years from now. <laughs> but when I'm on my deathbed, I know that wherever I end up, it is a result of the sum of decisions that I've made across my lifetime. They led me to that, that moment, whether I'm rich or poor or healthy or unhealthy or fit or fat, like wherever I end up when I'm about to die, it's because of the choices that I personally made. So I'm, I'm, I want to push back a little bit, not like, and, and play a little bit of devil's advocate. Cause I feel like sometimes there's a little bit of lack of empathy there for, and I think I'm not saying that you don't have empathy, but mm -hmm. I think when you say it's purely a result of your own actions, sometimes people will hear that and be like, Oh fuck, I'm off, turned off. Yeah. You know, cause sometimes shit does happen. I think I, I did a, the interview with Mark, same situation. And he seemed to have really dialed in on like, because he's been doing this so long, it's ridiculous, but mm -hmm. he's really dialed in on being like, saying basically the same exact thing that you did. And the same thing that I say, it's a result of your own actions. But he's like, I am so empathetic after witnessing time and time and time again, the same things happening to people. I'm so empathetic for people who feel like they're stuck, who feel like they can't move. And so it, he, he, he kept saying like his job then was to try and make them move the dial at whatever way that that is. If that makes sense. That makes sense. In terms of everything that I talk about training, 
business, life, being a father, being a husband, I'm never someone that's going to say you should or you need to. It's this is how I think. This mm-hmm. is how I live. Mm-hmm. And if you want to take pieces of that and apply it to your life, it might work. It might not. Um, I'm not like a a guru. I'm just someone who is like trying to live my best life yeah. and achieve success in the way that I define it. And I'm sharing that process and journey with other people because I want to be a, a role model. I want to be a mentor, but yeah. I don't want to tell people. I don't want to be a life coach. Yeah. It is difficult to eloquently handhold people mm-hmm. because I know you're, you're an empathetic guy. You're a good fucking guy. Um, but it's hard to say, follow me or, or look at what I've done. This can help you if you, if you choose to do it. And at the, on the other side, be like, I completely understand your situation. It's hard to navigate that. So it's almost like you've just chosen the, this side, right? Like the follow me or look at what I've done or look at what, not look at what I've done. Look at what I'm doing to better my life. Here's my example for you. Yeah. I mean, we use the, the phrase, never position yourself as a hero, always position yourself as a guide, whether you're someone trying to help someone out or a business position yourself as a guide. Like, Hey, this is what we are doing. This is, and whenever I like talk about what I'm personally doing, I say we, because like the community that we have, the people in this business, this is what we're doing to better our lives. You can apply it to your your life and, and it might work out very well, but I'm not saying like there's not going to be hardships. They're, they're like in life. I've experienced hardships and I know in the future mm-hmm. I'm going to experience more hardships, whether that's death, destruction, losing someone, having a hard time physically, mentally, emotionally. Like you're going to go through a lot of peaks and valleys, highs and lows, whether with family, with your health, with your job, with your, your fitness, like so many things. But like I have this really real expectation of like, I know things will get hard at some point. Maybe they're hard right now, but it's like these things are going to happen, but it's how do you deal with them? And I think that if you really work on yourself and improving the way you respond and react to certain things, it can help you get over some of these hardships and these obstacles and these struggles. What's the hardest thing you've faced and how did you get over it? I'd say the hardest thing, I mean, there's a few things in life that I could like point at. The hardest thing I probably went through is when we lost our mom in 2019 to ovarian cancer. It was very quick. So like January 2019, my mom started feeling sick and then she was going in and out of the hospital And her plan for that year was to um, retire from her job. She was a special education teacher. Then she was going to move down to Texas to be with me and my brother. Her and my dad were going to retire and move. January, she got diagnosed with ovarian cancer, stage four. And when I heard this, I was like, I know so many people that just, they get cancer, they get chemo, they're better. So I heard my mom got cancer. I was like, my mom's going to be better in like three months. It's like, mom, you're going to be back down here in Texas soon. Just let's go through the chemo treatments. 
radiation, whatever we got to do. Let's get over this cancer thing, get back down here. Well, that progressed so quickly that by June 2019, I mean, my dad's calling me and my brother saying, you got to get back to Pennsylvania right now because your mom has been given seven days to live. So we flew up to Pennsylvania. Uh, she was in the hospital. Two days after being there, she got put on hospice. We took her home. And then my mom passed away like as I was laying next to her in our living room floor. So that was like probably the hardest thing personally that I've went through like with my family. Um, but then like just, and I don't want to relate these two things by any means, but bootstrapping a business with my brother, you know, those first five, six, seven years of building the business were extremely, extremely challenging. And the thick of it in 2019, when we were working our asses off to just get this thing off the ground, which is only a few years ago, when we were in the thick of it, that's why mom was sick. It's like we weren't going home nearly as much as we should have. Fuck. And I look back now, like, I mean, we went in those like six months, I think we went home three times and I'll probably always regret that. I don't think I realized how bad the cancer was then. It's like me and my brother, like, hey, mom, dad, like, let us know if you need anything. Like, we got to keep like building this thing because it was just a few of us, me, my brother, uh, my now wife was working for the brand. And then John was our warehouse manager. There were four of us. When me and my brother had to go back home when my mom was sick and then in hospice and passed away and then, you know, handling the, the funeral, John was literally the only one in the the only employee down here in Texas holding this thing yeah. alive. So I'd say like overall, that's probably the hardest thing I've had to go through, especially now that I have my own child, like Charlie, she's four months old and like clear example, I was running this morning and listened to a song, made me think of my mom. I was like, man, it'd be really nice if my mom was down here yeah. to be a part of this part of my life. So like, I look at that and that's probably like, you know, I told that story and I shared that with my community online and being vulnerable and sharing that story. I, I saw helped a lot of people. Like so many people reached out and saying, Hey, thanks for sharing this. Like I'm going through something very similar in my life right now. So like there's parts of my life that are very private and vulnerable. And I, I've decided to share because I've seen the impact and response that others have resonated with online. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes people are going through things. My wife says this, and I, I really like this. She says, sometimes people are going through things and they don't need to be told what to do. They just need to know they're not alone while they're going through it. Yeah. So if I'm ever going through something, I like to share it because I figured a lot of people are also going through something similar. Yeah. They need to know, well, shit. Nick's going through this too. I can get through this. I think it is so fascinating having a large following. It is because I, the human mind, the capacity to take on however many relationships you have is nowhere near what is necessary to deal with the numbers that you're dealing with. Even the numbers that I'm dealing with, even though mine are a fraction of yours. Um, and the interaction that, that, what is it called? Parasocial interaction. Have you ever heard that term? No, it's, I the, it's the idea that somebody that you follow 
uh, you're actually friends with or you have a closeness to them mm-hmm. when in reality it's all curated. <clears throat> every single thing you post online, every, everything we, even what we're doing right now is curated, even though we're getting as close as we can to each other, it's curated. And so the idea that you have a relationship with these people out there, but the example that you're giving is a, is a great example of how you can utilize this parasocial uh, relationship uh, in a, in a way that will benefit you directly. People sharing, Hey, I'm here for you. Even though they don't fucking know you, it's sometimes even more powerful than like, uh, a semi semi close friend reaching out to you. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've experienced that. Like 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 a total stranger being like, "I care about you," is a really powerful thing. Oh yeah, I mean, I mentioned earlier in this episode about like wanting to be known as like a role model and mentor. Like when I I'll go back to like I was thinking about the end of my life and like what I want to be known. For I don't want to be known as like Nick Bear, this like fitness beast, right? Who has run marathons and ultras and lifts weights. Like, I don't want to be known for that. I want to be known like, oh man, like that guy was a role model for me and my family. And whenever we do in person events, you know, like this past summer in August, we celebrated ten years of BPN, their our ten year birthday for BPN essentially, and we hosted an event downtown Austin, and there was this woman that showed up. She's probably about my age and she brought her like seven or eight year old daughter and she came up and talked to me and she said, you know, I'm a single mom um, and my daughter here does not have a father figure in her life. So I show her your videos and BPN's content as a father figure or role model wow. for her to grow up. And I will never forget that moment. Dude, you, yeah. I mean, it, you can't. It very quickly like was a reminder of. This is why you got to keep creating content. This is why you got to stay true to your values. Mm-hmm. Like this is there's there's this huge obligation to be like this mentor for people who need a light and like and it sounds so cheesy like the world is a dark place you need to be this light, but it's true. The world now, is fucking dark. So it's not just it's not just the world, it's our world as well, the fitness world. So like that parasocial relationship, it's also like I was talking about the singular benefit that it can provide you. Um people caring about you and you caring about people that you don't even know exist really. But predominantly it's a, it's a pretty, pretty negative thing. The internet's a really negative place. It's dangerous. It's da- it, it really is. And, um, you can cater to the internet. Oh, that worked. That got a lot of views. Let me change my values because that's what works. Let me hit that button over and over and over again. That's the consistency thing. Like you want to be consistent. You want to be disciplined. Oh my God, this got a ton of views. Let me just hammer that real quick, but that's not who you are. So you're constantly battling something like that. Um, but I, I've done this a lot, uh, basically all the shows that I've had someone on where it's long form, I've basically told them my perspective of them because I think they need to hear this. Like from mm-hmm. my view, you have created your own little bubble that it circumvents it's it's outside of the fitness culture bubble and i i think part of what i've done too is the same thing you know there are certain things that you follow that other physique guys and stuff have done but what you have done elsewhere is totally original totally unique and totally you Mm -hmm. and that is I, I think that's like heroic to do something like that, to be a part of that. So that that's what it means. Just 
I, I, I just can't think highly enough of what you've created and how talented you are. I appreciate that. Seriously. It's, it's, it is amazing. Like just watching that. And I said the same thing to Mark Bell too. And the same thing to Mark Henry. These are like my perspective of you is like I said, it's like if you were to say fitness influencer, boom, a bunch of images flash through your head. Right. And I'm sure it's the same for you as it is for everyone out there watching. But Nick Bear is not that at all. Not in my mind. And by the way, I, I didn't ever view you as a businessman mm -hmm. just because I didn't know. I wasn't really paying attention. I never gave a fuck about B BPN at all. I didn't even know BPN, what, what it existed. But I've consumed your content for like, I mean, I, I knew that it existed. But like, I, I didn't know that that was your goal. I didn't even know that being a businessman was your goal. I just gave a fuck about Nick Bear. Right. And that, to me, having learned all of this now on the other side, like having gotten to meet you, gotten to come in and to this unbelievable facility, see how many employees you have, see how robust the actual business is, fucking blew my mind. Especially the first time. I couldn't stop talking about it to Chris. I was like, dude, I had no fucking idea. <laughs> I had no idea. Well, I like the term that we use here is like, we are genuinely driven. We're driven for reasons that we are truly passionate about. And the, for, the, for the first, you know, for a long time, almost the whole decade that I've spent building this thing and my brand and doing the things I do, it's been head down, create, do, create, do building the business, building the team, taking care of people. Like most of my day, 90% of my day is spent in meetings, building the business, working with teams. Like that's what the last decade of my life has been. And it's been really, really difficult, but it's also been so rewarding and I'm so passionate about it. But everyone that works in this building is so genuinely driven by the mission the people, the brand, the product, and, and what we do. And I'm very, very grateful for that. Yeah. What do you, to, to kind of pivot a little bit, what's your, what do you dislike the most about the fitness industry or what you visualize? Or do you even consume that much outside of this? I really don't, I don't consume much. Um, but I would say like the thing that I dislike is the smoke and mirrors. That is the, the curation portrayed. Yeah. It's like, I have trained with other people in like the fitness space and within two minutes of workout, I'm like, have you ever trained in your life before? Do you even, do you know how to train? So like a lot of it's like, you think you see, you think you know one thing and then it's all BS and bullshit. And that's why I've created like this really tight bubble, like the way you kind of describe it. Like there's this really tight bubble. And for me, that bubble was like, everything in the BPN footprint or like all my time, energy resources is spent on the people in this building, the people that this business touches and works with and like the operations that we have going on here. And I'm not trying to like create some smoke and mirror bullshit. Right. Facade. So, so this is, I was thinking about this on the way here. Even if all you did was curate, meaning you weren't actually training that hard. Mm -hmm. The things that you're doing in those curated videos would either require a lot of training 
or even if they stood alone by themselves, would add up to a lot of training. Does that make sense? Yeah. So there are some there are some people like where uh, this gym that I go to here, they come in, they'll do a couple warm up sets, they'll pull out their tripod, their A seven S three, and um, they will uh, they'll they'll record their top set and move. Same thing, boom, 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 move. 30 minutes of really not stressful work at all, get in their car and go home. They got over 100,000 followers. Even if you were to do that, you still would have a training log that is so fucking robust. And that's what I love about your content. Mm -hmm. You can't fucking fake it. You can't. And so, like, when you get these people who come in, you go, have you even fucking trained? If we actually study their content, you go, oh, wait, yeah, this doesn't prove that they train at all. Yeah. They found some good lighting. They found some good places to to flex that the perfect angle, you know, they, they didn't dial shit in. They didn't work. They didn't sweat. And the crazy thing for, for someone like me was, like, training has always taken too big of a, of a part of my life. Like, it it's noticeably been the thing that's the most consistent only because I love it. That's the one thing that I will, I like kill myself in training. I love to kill myself in training. I'll never stop killing myself in training. But if you want to accomplish anything in this world, like of uh, content creation and just business in general, it's like training is not going to push the dial there at all. It's like usually sleep, nutrition, stress, uh, and then like nailing down and dialing in your schedule. It and might- that's something I don't have. But when I see people with the opposite, and they don't train at all. And I'm like, bro, it's your job. I, it fucking shocks the shit out of me. That's why I, I totally resonate with what you're saying. Tra- training might not directly like move the needle for other parts of your life, like your business or our family. But like, for me, it indirectly does because of the joy that I get out of training. Like for me, if I don't, the days where I wake up and go for my morning run, it's much more than a physical adaptation. But like my mind is firing on this run and I'm thinking of ideas and I come back and I literally in my phone, I can't type in my notes app fast enough mm-hmm. of the things I thought about. And then like when I go into a training session, like hitting big weights and getting a pump and being sweaty, like as much as it sounds like a pain and gain movie, like dude, we're bros, get into it. I fucking love it. Yeah. Dog. Like, and there's, like, there's not many like ways to like, throw my endorphins off the charts then like energy in a gym what did what did i say when we when i walked in i said you and i were gonna get along bro. exactly i fucking felt it i sensed it you know why because you're like oh what you want to deadlift okay fine let's fucking deadlift we want to do i'm like uh go for a max like fuck it let's do let's do a max yeah i'm like oh boy this is it i found a bro you gotta feed off other people's energy so yeah that's so cool for me that I think of that and it sounds crazy, but I think of that energy in a creative lens that I think that sometimes creative people get into that form of training, high energy, which sometimes results in maybe slightly less discipline, just slightly less. And I think you have found a good balance where like you can get into that energy, but then you also have to get into that consistent mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't train like that often. I mean, I, I try to go hard as much as I can, but I 
don't get a situation where I'm at a new gym with a with a dude that I admire who who also wants to go hard with the music loud with people watching like I don't get that opportunity often thank god I don't or else I would fucking die you know but there are a lot of sessions where I'll come in and I'll be like oh my god it's not happening I'm just doing lap pull downs I'm like this sucks I mean I have this too yeah and what's interesting is people won't They'll have bad sessions and then they'll have okay sessions, but they won't jump off the cliff into the fucking crazy session. And this is something that I've been thinking about a lot and I want to make a video on this, but it's about performance, not just training. There needs to be an aspect of your training where you are performing the best ways to set that up. It doesn't need to, but if you want to feel some crazy shit, like if you want to go to the extreme have a training partner that's watching you pull out a camera that you're filming for that you're going to post to the internet where other people are watching you turn the music up do like perform like literally it's a performance that you're putting on mm -hmm. that's something that that is the one aspect of my life where i said i've always been talented that's the one aspect the adaptation that i've gained that has helped me the most in this world is performing because i fucking loved it when i was little I remember being like five years old, just being so excited to play in front of people, to play basketball in front of people, play football, to swim, to just perform for people. And when people get into weight training, they want to nerd out and they don't want to perform in front of people. They want to be consistent and dialed and everything like that. And they don't give themselves the creative chance to express themselves like that. So I think it's awesome when you can find that. Yeah, it's like I, I see people training all the time. And uh, it's like every rep, every set is like the most perfect, pristine form. Bro, you are preaching to the choir right now. It's like they're counting down on their watch, 58, 59, 60, go. And for me, I'm all about like feel and auto regulation where I might come to the gym one day and I was planning on going heavy and I'm not feeling it. So I don't go heavy. Then you put in volume, you go intensity, you, you know, you turn them, you know, you, you take your rest times away. You just alter the variable to get it done. Yep. And yep. there's times where I didn't plan on de uh, deadlifting or, or maxing out like today, but like the pre-workout meal hit right. The pre-workout hit right. The, the energy was right. The music was right. And you're like, fuck it. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to do that. I think there is an, I, there are, there's a group of people that, that they love, they get into training later in life and they never had to perform for anyone they never had to be like all right now's your shot let's watch you they never did that once and now they're they're missing out on that potential even though training is something that we see as like we don't use that that much so i think for anyone listening out there but that that is an idea that i i've been playing with in my head and i want to make a video on that really bad and now i think i'm going to now that i said it that's why these last two marathons i've done have like I mean, talk about a dopamine dump where you put this big goal out into the universe. Mm -hmm. Like my first one, I was like, I'm going to run a sub three hour marathon. People were making videos saying Nick Bear will never run a sub three hour marathon. Fuck yes, dude. There were, art there were articles online. Nick, this guy's an idiot. He's So I, I, you know, I put in the prep and I got to the starting line that day. There were 20 mile per hour wins. And I was like, all right, I'm going to get tested today. And that entire race, and I, I ended up running like a 256, 27, 
the whole race, those almost three hours, it was like dopamine dumping the entire time. Because one, you want to hit this goal so hard. You put it out in the universe. You are performing. It is a performance. I fucking love it. And that's a high that I chase. And then when I, I went after this last marathon too, again, it was like this performance that I was chasing this high. And there's so much on the line that you're, you're, it's a fight. You're fighting for oh, it. I love it so much. This is what I, this is my deadlift today. Is the same thing. Yep. You just, you feel there's, I, I, it's a really hard thing to explain. Like you guys watching me, it was like, I didn't think I was going to make it, but I didn't think I wasn't going to make it. I was just in like this fucking weird, like ether. Oh, I know the feeling. It's a hard, so hard to explain. It's like, uh, I start talking under my breath. I start feeling like really tense. I want to like flex my arms. Yes. Uh, I want to like bite my lip. And, and I, I say these things to myself. Dude, and it's like, a fight. It's so wild, man. I can only imagine that getting in a cage for UFC is just like that. This why straight up like, Gah! well, it's probably why like, it's addicting. Like you can't leave the octagon. You have to keep going back to it because like it's a, there's a book you should read. It's called the molecule of more. Uh -huh. And it's all about addiction and why we chase these things that have like these massive dopamine dumps. But the thing is, once you do something over and over and over again, it becomes just normal. Yeah. So you have to chase something. It's a bigger dopamine dump. That like describes addicts where like if you're addicted to something like drugs and you keep taking the same dose over and over and over again, you're not going to get the same high. You have to use more and more and more. Right. And addicts end up overdosing because of it. Yeah. Like same thing. With, I mean, with dude, training Tom Brady. There's an addict. Clear right example. There. Clear example. Straight. Couldn't be clearer of an addict. Yep. Uh, I mean, I would say you and I are addicts for sure to training. It's a harsh addiction, actually. I'm addicted to... Uh, to training, to work, like I'm, I'm addicted it's to. Though that's not. See, don't make sure though when you say that that it's not like I'm a fucking I'm addicted. You know, like part of me is like, yeah, that's sick. You know, I'm addicted to it. It's like two bros getting hot, stoked on how high they get. Yeah, but at the same time, I'm not saying it's it's. I'm not saying it's good or healthy. Things have failed in your life because of that addiction. One hundred percent. Like, and that, that's a balance. I'm trying to navigate right now and I'm not like I use the word addicted to by like I want to say it very carefully where when, when I commit to something and I don't commit to a lot of things in life but the things that I do commit to I am all in I'm like I'm going to use the word all in and addicted right. as the same right. like with BPN I am all in I'm going to do whatever I have to do to build this thing if I go into like a training block and I'm going for a certain goal, I am all in. Right. I am so disciplined. And that has like, there's been, there's, there's a lot of sacrifices when you go all in on things and you are so committed. And unfortunately you end up and you can misalign your priorities in life. Yeah. And this is like a balance that I'm trying to navigate right now as a new dad is, you know, building a business and leading a team. Mm hmm and creating content that drives the growth of the business. And I'm a father and I'm a husband and navigating all that is very, very challenging. Yeah. And I'm making, I'm making some right choices and I'm making some horrible choices, 
but I'm trying to figure it out. You got to learn, though, from those horrible ones, but it's very difficult to learn for them because from them, in your scenario, at least that's what I'm getting from it, it'd be very difficult for you to learn from, like, not spending enough time from with your wife and kid. Like, it's hard because it's not... The end result isn't uh, a dollar sign. Yeah. Uh, BPN didn't have a good quarter this year. You're going to fucking learn from that. I didn't spend quite enough time with my wife and kid. I don't really know. There's no like hard number there. There's no driver. And so you always have to be wary of that. You just have to be thinking about it. Um, I think, dude, this is a... I'm witnessing this with Chris, too. The guy's obsessed with work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is crazy. Since I've moved in with Chris, my YouTube channel has gone like this, dude. Everything. Like, even the fact that I'm sitting across from you, the fact that I've started to do this long-form stuff, everything. Because I'm so, I'm with a guy who's just like, all right, next piece of content. Uh, it's got to be this way, this way, this way. You know, he's just he's locking in everything. That's kind of an affliction. And I think I, I kind of – I don't want to mess up saying this, but I think men have this a lot. At least those who deem themselves successful. And not just that, those who think the ceiling can just – is never-ending. I think like I think you I think you if I'm going to psychoanalyze you uh-huh. you have you think you have no ceiling with this fucking thing 100% right do you understand how that's an affliction though that's pretty dangerous I, I do but I think everyone I think there's no ceiling for anyone but I think people put a ceiling on themselves and it's like that's where they cap out and I used to think the same thing for myself like I thought, oh, if I can just get to this point, I've maxed out. <laughs> like I remember it was um it was 2017. We were in our old warehouse and it was much smaller than what we're in right now. And it was just three of us working there at the time. And a friend from the army came to visit me and he was like, you know, get getting a tour of the HQ, our HQ, six thousand square feet. And he goes, yeah, this is awesome. Do you think you you think you've like maxed out your full potential in this business? And I was like, Are you are you kidding Bitch. me? Dude, like, but like I was so confused by is do you think that about your life? Do you think that you've maxed out? Because like, dude, I'm telling you, like, no matter where you think that ceiling is, it is a hundred times higher. So like I sometimes I want to shake people. This is like this is my goal to help people is you can do so much more than you think you can do because it goes back to Dude, it's the fucking Muhammad Ali thing that I said when it starts hurting start counting right and your your deadlifts today I said I think it was at like uh like 12 reps in on the set of 405 I go okay now you're starting now it starts go ahead you know yeah you, yeah are you nervous about this the fact that you you feel like you have boundless, endless potential. No, I'm not, I'm not nervous because the way I see 10 years into doing all this, I truly believe we're still scratching the surface. And now, like, once you get just once you scratch the surface, now it's just implementing more systems and infrastructure and like bringing more people onto that team to help you. Like I truly believe you can, 
the BPN team says this all the time. You can go really fast alone. In the beginning, you have to you have to go really fast by yourself, typically. At least I did. But you get to a certain point where what got you here is not going to get you there. And in order to go far, yeah. you have to go together. That's the famous quote. Yep. Um, you can Yes, you can go fast alone, um, far together. But, or, much, but much further together. Yeah. So, like, right now, where I see the ceiling is much higher, it's achievable, but I'm not going to get there by myself. Right. And you're not going to get there now. Or, you know, it's going to take a long time. But you're going to find metrics of improvement along the way, I think. I was just wondering from a per- perspective of, like, are you worried about what that's going to do to you personally, to Nick Bear and his family and his daughter and wife? Um, no, because I think if you are self-aware of where you're at, at your point in your life and what your priorities are, like, yes, I know that I could say, go to my wife, Steph, and say, Steph, you and baby Charlie got to hold down the fort for another year. I'm going to spend all my time at work building the business. And I could, I could reach new levels of the business, Mm -hmm. but then I sacrificed the relationship with my family. There's this story I love. I was listening to this podcast probably about a year ago. And there was this guy, and he built a business over the course of about 30 years. And he sold it for $100 million. And someone said, sir, you just sold your business for $100 million. What are you going to do now? And he said, I'm going to travel the world with my family. And his family was listening to this interview, and they said, dad, we don't want to travel the world with you. We don't even know you. So, yes, you can – just because the ceiling is 100 floors above where you're at right now mm-hmm. doesn't mean you got to chase it. You don't got to chase it right now. Yeah. You might not have to chase it in five years, but it's there. Yeah. And if there's an opportunity, yes, seize the opportunity, but don't seize the opportunity in the event of sacrificing the things that you love. Yeah. Your daughter might not give a fuck about how successful you are. I don't, I don't think – just won't care. As I mean, long as your dad, as long as her dad's there for her, like that's my, one of my mentors, Max Ada, he said this about Piros Dimas. He's like, you think Piros Dimas's daughter gives it, he, Piros Dimas is a famous weightlifter. One of the most successful weight, uh, Olympic weightlifters of all time. He's like, you think Piros's daughter gives a fuck about him being good at weightlifting? She doesn't care. She just wants her dad. That's it. My life right now is going to look completely different from what it looks like five years from now. Yeah. Five years from now, I'm going to be getting my face painted by my daughter. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. And this is going to be the best. And like, that's what I'm excited for. Yeah. In this like next phase of life. And that's what I want. That's yeah. what I need. Yeah. My family needs that. All right, Nick, we got to wrap it up. I, I appreciate, appreciate you, man. I, I appreciate you more than you appreciate me. So how about that? Well, hey, thanks <laughs> thanks for hitting this epic lifetime PR in the gym today. Yeah. Um, I'm working back towards a PR, and we'll get there. Yeah, hey, if you want to do another deadlift session or training session, I'm here. We don't even have to do content. I just want to go hard. Like, you've got a training partner, bro. Let's do if it. If you want one. Oh, 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 oh,